HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store. On behalf of everybody at HeritageRadioNetwork.com, we'd like to send a special thank you to the Hearst Ranch, our biggest supporter and longest-running sponsor since we first started in 2009. Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the Central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more information, visit www.hearstranch.com. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Happy Monday afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. My co-host and producer is Sophie Schlesinger. And today we are extremely lucky to have in the studio with us Carlos Yescas, who is a Mexican cheese advocate, cheese judge, consultant, and uh, the writer behind Lactography.com, a blog that has turned into a full-fledged consulting business. Um, thank you so much for being with us, Carlos. Thank you so much, Annie. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I mean, we talked a little bit about um, about what you do before the show, and it's so fascinating. I guess let's, and, and I know we're going to run out of time. We won't be able to talk about everything we want to, but let's start out with your background. Um, how, what, what have you done in the past uh, for, for work, and how did you kind of find yourself in cheese? Sure. Um, really, my story uh, for cheese starts um, probably in Ireland. I was um, there studying a, a law degree. And, you know, like a very good student, I also needed a, a part-time job. And so the one part-time job that I got was working at Sharon's Cheesemongers. 
Is think. that in is that in Galway? That is in Galway. Yeah. Sh- Sheridan's. Okay, cool. Yeah. And uh, and I worked there as a as a cheesemonger and I sort of like the first week I just realized how much I care for cheese, for the cheese makers, for everything cheese. So, you know, it just sort of took over that. Eventually I moved to New York and um since being here I've been sort of involved with uh different parts of of the cheese industry i'll say in in new york um but um really what i what i came to do to new york was to work for the united nations um to work specifically on migration which is also it also happens to be the the topic of uh of my phd dissertation um, and where are you in school for your phd i'm at the new school for social research great yep and uh so those two those two things sort of brought me to the city um, and also a good dose of having a husband here. <laughs> <laughs> that always helps. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I moved to the city and, um, and you know, I, I'm a student and, um, and a bureaucrat of some type. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, I just think it's really interesting, first off, the, um, the migration work. Um, well, maybe can you tell the, our listeners a little bit more about the work that you've been doing with the UN? Because... I don't know. I'm I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit, but I feel like that directly ties into your work with cheese, which is very sure. cool. Well, um, the work that I do on migration is specifically on sort of development uh, policy. This is a it's a very big term that exists at the UN, and I feel that most people maybe don't have a complete grasp of it. But really, what it means is to find ways from the policy level to uh, advocate for poverty reduction, for equality of men and women, for uh, enfranchisement of vulnerable communities. And, and, and the idea how that links into migration is that if people are, have the option of not leaving their places of origin, most likely they won't get out of their countries of their regions of origin. Um, and, but for that to be feasible, there has to be options back where they're from. Um, so that's sort of my introduction to development and also to migration. I like people migrating and leaving, but I also think that people should have the option of staying home. Well, that part of it, I mean, you couldn't have said it any better for like what I was hoping to get across because I feel like, and we'll get into this in greater detail, but the work that you do with um, Mexican cheesemakers is also about that. It's about giving people economic options for staying where they are, for making a good quality product, and for you know regional regional food, which is fantastic. Thank you. Well, and really, how the the thing in, in cheese started linked up with with this work that I do for the UN is that uh, I'm sure everyone sort of remembers that in 1994 there was this uh, indigenous revolt in Mexico that turned that you know was led by the Zapatista uh, group and after the sort of things quieted down and the government and the Zapatistas got in the table one of the things that was asked from the indigenous peoples was like, well, we really need something that would allow us to be economically feasible. And, And so the government went back, and I think at least in the state of Chiapas, they did a very good job of trying to find what to do. And they realized very fast that a lot of these indigenous peoples had always been in cheese making, um, not 
since before the colony, because cheese is something that came to Mexico with the colony, but definitely since our colonial times. And so one of the ways that, that the government thought that it could help was buying um, uh, dairy cows for these indigenous peoples. Uh, I, I should also say that some of the cheesemakers are non-indigenous. So there's these two groups, but the government helps both, but it really came to be to the indigenous um, look um, uh, or position of this. Uh, so what I got involved was because I thought this was a, a really interesting, genuine way of trying to help people stay and do the things that they have chosen to do. And so the process in Chiapas, which is one of the longest ones in Mexico, is to eventually get a denomination of origin for this type of cheese, for, for actually two, two cheeses from Chiapas. Um, but the process for the denomination of origin is very long and complicated, and so how it starts is by creating a trademark, a collective trademark. And so what we're doing right now, or, and what I'm helping right now in, in, in the state of Chiapas is to develop the guidelines to have a trademark, but also to help cheesemakers um, in flavor and texture and marketing and all sorts of the production of, of cheese so that we set a, a standard of the type of cheese that this should be, and then we can move on into the denomination of origin. So interesting. I know we've a couple of weeks on the show. We did a um, an episode on art and cheese and kind of how that reflected economic policy and and so forth. But it's it's great to have a kind of tie into I don't know domestic and international policy as well. That's you know a little more closely linked. Um, but maybe too, could you talk about your blog, lectography, and and website and what you wanted to document on that and how that turned then into a business? Sure. Uh, so the the idea of the blogs really started uh, m much later than when I got involved in cheese, and uh, and it really came to be in a, in one of those dinners that you know you're sitting with friends and you're you know you're just talking about life and sort of catching up with people, and um, and my husband was sort of half explaining to a friend of, of ours what I was doing, and he turned around and said to me, oh, you're a lactographer. And I was like, huh? What does that mean? <laughs> I don't think that word really exists. And indeed, it does not exist. And, but his idea was someone that was really interested in knowledge of cheese. That's why he made up, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I am. So <laughs> my, my real... The first concept for the blog was to document Mexican cheese in the way that I, that for the past maybe two, three years before that, I've been seeing the Canadian and the Americans documenting their own cheese. And really going back to what, it, what were the styles of cheese, the histories, the stories uh, behind, behind American and Canadian cheese. And I was like, you know, no one is doing that for Mexican cheese. Um, the second question really came to be if the blog needed to be in Spanish or English. And that was a very difficult one to answer. Um, because I felt like if I did it in Spanish, well, it would be very good for the thing that I was doing in Mexico. But then I felt that because the world is plan or works, uh, if you don't do things in English, you really have very little access. So 
I felt like I had a unique position of being able to be fluent in both languages that I should probably do this in English um, because there are other people working in cheese in Spanish. And so my, my real contribution could be in English. And I'm very curious to know what are what are the cheeses you started with? You know, you were talking yeah. about these DOP cheeses or the development of DOP for uh, cheeses in Chiapas. What kind of cheeses are we talking about? Uh, the very one, the very first one that we start with in Chiapas is called queso de cuadro doble crema, and it's a fresh cheese that is made in a in a square. That's why it's cuadro, and it's. It's a very interesting cheese because it has the texture of a goat chevre, but it's made with cow's milk. Mm. Um, it's uh, raw milk. And, um, and the fun thing is that this cheese is made all throughout Chiapas. And depending on the region, it will have more, uh, it'll be more solid or less solid. So it will have more water or or more moisture or less moisture. And so the acidification is different, and so the taste will be different. And while that's great to have that variation, it was also a great challenge to be like, what can, what can we change so that we don't lose all that diversity, but at the same time that this cheese actually resembles all the other cheeses. Right. All the other cheeses. Now, so, and, and I'm curious to know, what's the history of this cheese? You were talking about people in Chiapas had made cheese since colonial times. Is this a cheese that is very old, or was this a cheese that was a newer style that was introduced after the government had sort of intervened to, you know, give people dairy cows and get the industry going? No, this is a very old cheese. Uh, there, the, another part of the project is doing sort of the documentation, the historical documentation um, in Mexico, and they're looking at archives and all that. Uh, I, so I don't have the exact date, but it's a really old cheese. And the thing is that it's a fresh cheese. Um, I, I can't think of any other cheeses that will be similar that, that, you know, that at least I know. Um, but this cheese is the sort of sibling cheese of the other cheese from Chiapas that is queso de bola de Ocosingo. And that cheese um, is, is sort of a cacho cavallo mm -hmm. or a provolone. And mm -hmm. inside, instead of being a paste, uh, it's sort of fresh and crumbly inside, which is the exact same cheese as the queso de cuadro. Um, so that can be actually traced to then the monks that, that came to Mexico to... Uh, as part of the colonization, and that brought their uh, history of cheese making, and so that's where it was always started. the monks. They were so <laughs> awesome. Thank you, monks, <laughs> Thank everywhere you monks. So for bringing cheese all <laughs> over the world. <laughs> no, where were those monks coming from? Do you know? Were they um, coming from Southern Europe? Climates that were similar, or um, were they coming from other places? This, this, we we think they're uh, Dominican. Uh, monks uh, and they are definitely from this sort of if you if you think of Spain they'll be from the southern uh, eastern side of Spain the closer one to sort of France and Italy mm. Um, mm. and I was gonna kind of go off of Anne's last question how did you I don't know decide or 
pick where to start when doing this project because it seems like kind of a daunting task and and now know, it's and so like one. fully baked and like yeah. really i don't know yeah amazingly complex I, that's a great yeah. question well uh really what it is is that um i'm uh, i'm of a generation uh in mexico that 1994 completely changed my life um if 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 people sort of remember uh january 1st of 1994 uh, NAFTA came into effect uh, for the three North American countries, but it was also the day that the Zapatista movement started. So this was sort of my introduction to the world, right? It's like when Mexico becomes sort of a global player in the, in the economic uh, world, at, it's at the same time that an indigenous issue arrives to our f- to our TVs and to you know many people's towns, and then we're sort of faced with the idea that maybe we are doing something really bad here. And so I am of that generation in Mexico that yes, we love being international, yes, we love being part of the world, but there's still a lot of things that need to be happening with indigenous people. And so really, my my introduction to this was trying to help indigenous peoples in Mexico. Mm. Wow, that's really cool. And where did you grow up, if I can ask? I grew up in, uh, in the state of Morelos, sort of south of Mexico City, small little town. <laughs> okay. Wow. Wow. It's, um, I'm actually sort of ashamed. I, I haven't done as much research as I should about the, um, the whole Zapatista movement. It's really, uh, no, it's super important. Well, we should, uh, we'll put some stuff on our blog and people can check it out while listening to the show. So absolutely. Absolutely. And if anybody has questions for us, uh, now or if you listen to this show in a couple weeks and you want to ask us a question yeah. or you want to ask Carlos a question you can email any questions to info at heritageradionetwork.com and, uh, and we will definitely get back to you um, well it's, it's reached the halfway point on our show so we're going to take a very quick musical break and when we come back we'll continue our talking with Carlos Yescas This is Moby, and you're listening to the Heritage Radio Network. Whoa. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> That's hard to follow up, Moby. 
we are but mere peons um, <laughs> out here on Cutting the Curd. Anne Sachs will be your host, <laughs> Sophie Schlesinger. <laughs> Came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and Carlos Yescas, um, who is with us today talking about Mexican cheeses, um, cheese advocacy, and his burgeoning business, um, which is turning into actually something quite a bit larger than a business, um, which is really exciting. So, but well, let's start out with your business. Um, you said uh, you have this blog, lectography.com, and it kind of has morphed into a sort of consulting thing. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you consult with um, farms and who are your clients? Sure. Um, the clients are uh, cheesemakers that uh, are, are looking into having their cheese uh, be the best it can be. And so what we are offering right now is, uh, and what I specifically do is, uh, we do a sensory analysis. So that means going, tasting the cheese, trying to figure out uh, what the good flavors are, what the bad flavors are, wh- where the bad flavors are coming from and then sort of make suggestions after that we help them develop a marketing uh, strategy so that they can have um, you know sales and then a distribution system uh, normally into Mexico I'm a very big advocate of, of local and so while a lot of people would like to see these cheeses in the United States or Canada um, really my thing is to first bring it at least to Mexico City and to to incentivize people to eat the products that are being made in Mexico. Uh, also, the company now, uh, and actually now for about a year, has been uh, sort of outsourcing uh, to uh, dairy specialists and food science people that looked and, uh, at the specific problems with milk and feed and cattle of these cheesemakers and so they go and consult and so they're part of the entire consultancy services that we and how, and how have you formed those alliances with um experts in the field like you said um chemists or um you know f- farm experts yeah uh that has all been to going down to uh farms uh on one hand but also uh, going to universities and really everyone in Mexico that has any sort of connection to milk or cheese, I have gone and talked and sat down and explained what is our project. And I have really chosen just those uh, people that are really committed to the idea of uh, helping people uh, cheesemakers and the idea of helping it, it, it goes beyond of just saying oh yeah I want to participate but really that you know we need to understand that these cheesemakers are not making tons of money so that yes we are going to charge because obviously there is an expertise there uh, but that this has to be in some way subsidized and that you know if I said to you I'm going to not going to fly you first class and I'm going to put you instead on a bus trip they're going to be like that's okay yeah. uh, so it's, it's really people that have the expertise but also the commitment 
Now, okay, so I'm sorry, my head, my brain is like exploding with questions. <laughs> um, so I'm wondering about these cheesemakers. Um, who are they? I feel like there's a difference maybe here between American cheesemakers and Mexican cheesemakers because a lot of cheesemakers here, it's their second career. They've done something where they've made a bit of money first and then they start a dairy farm later mm-hmm. because it's very hard. So are they second career farmers or are they lifelong farmers? And then also, how do they react to... Um, how, well, how do they find you, first of all? And then how do they yeah. react to the criticism? And or, is there or, anyone else, oh, sorry, is there anyone else doing this work kind of similar to what you're doing or, or being an advocate for dairy farmers in Mexico? Yeah. Uh, so the, f- f- uh, the first question, no, they, these people are, they've been farmers all their lives. Uh, they're probably by now, maybe third generation or fourth generation farmers. Uh, cheese making is not, their only uh, way know, of making money. Exactly. They yeah. they also do produce or uh, honey. Um, yeah, most uh, and you know some of the some of the ones that are indigenous, the women will make uh, sort of <laughs> crafts, uh, and so they they are full time farmers. Uh, very few will have anything else other than this going on. And what I want to for people to understand is that the cheeses that I'm very interested in is that they're 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 very small production. Uh, I'm not dealing with big conglomerates. They are in Mexico and they're bringing powder milk from New Zealand and making cheese, and that all exists in Mexico as well. I'm just really not interested in that. Um, how they found me. Uh, uh, I guess I should thank my friend Thomas uh, for this. Uh, he is a French uh, national that is studying his PhD in the Uni- Universidad de Champingo in the state of Mexico. And the univers- that university has a cheese-making uh, program. He's doing the PhD in uh, in social sciences, and his project was looking at the process of uh, denominations of origin. And so he is the one that first heard about some of the work that I've been doing and the things that I was uh, doing, and also we know each other from, from friends, uh, both being academics. And so he's the one that first sort of clued me in to the other people. Uh, so... Uh, that's how I started. There are other people doing this as mm-hmm. well. Uh, specifically, the people from the university are doing something really similar. And they're great. Uh, I have worked with them always. Uh, and, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and, well, and then the last thing is, I was just wondering, because I know that old school American dairy farmers, if you were to walk in and tell them, how to do something or how to change something, you might meet with a little resistance. <laughs> so I'm wondering if you also enc- encountered that or if people are very open and willing to learn and embracing, you know, what you have to offer. Well, no, I, um, the first time that I went uh, four years ago, uh, I tasted probably like 30 cheeses at the first one event that, that we had. Uh, that, that was organized by by the Ministry of Agriculture of, of of the state of Chiapas, and you know I gave criticisms and comments, really comments, not criticism, but comments to a lot of the makers, and they're like, 
you know, what, what, what do you know? You, you're just a city kid that, you know, don't understand anything. Uh, and so it was really hard uh, <laughs> because I, I sort of understood what they were saying. And I was like, you know, I don't want to be one of, one of those people that because I have studied more or whatever, I know more. So my, my approach was always like, okay, fine. You know, it's like, if you're selling this cheese, this is great for you. I'm just giving you these comments and, you know, try them. If they don't work, then you can go back. If you don't want to try them, that's perfectly fine. Um, the second year that I went, uh, that'll be three years ago, uh, I find out that a couple of them tried the changes that I had suggested. The changes were successful and the cheese tasted better or lasted longer or whatever the problem was, was fixed. And so they, they among themselves started talking and saying, you know what, I did this that he sort of suggested and it worked. <laughs> and so they were avid for comments the second year. And now <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> yeah. That I, is yeah. so cool. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I feel like we've only got a couple minutes left and we have so much to cover. Um, you said you are going um, to Mexico next week um, and you are doing actually a- Wednesday. And, oh my gosh! So Day after tomorrow. Whoa! Yeah. Whoa! Okay. <laughs> so, um, tell us about what your plans are there. Um, I know you have events. I know you have meetings. Um, it's all very exciting. Yeah. Well, my the the biggest meeting that I have is uh, with the Minister of uh, Agriculture of Mexico. Uh, that would be like our equivalent. Yeah. Yes. Like a you at, know at the, the federal the level. head of the Department of Agriculture. Yeah. That's so Crazy. cool. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and how I got that meeting was uh, through the power of Twitter and uh, the ministers of agriculture of Chiapas and Tabasco, which are two states in the south of Mexico. And so what we did is they requested that I meet with them. Um, and then I sort of mobilized some people on Twitter. You can follow me at Carlos Yescas. And uh, <laughs> sorry for the plug. No, no, you have to. <laughs> and um, and so I was granted a granted. So it's pretty bad in a democracy. But so I'm having a meeting <laughs> with uh, I'm having a meeting with the minister. And so what I'm gonna sort of request is that they help us create an institute of Mexican cheese that will be sort of an advocacy uh, arm th- uh, of the government that that could help cheesemakers into you know getting expertise getting training getting uh funds and you know to make their 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 businesses better and and to really help them and so that we can expand the project that started in chiapas to uh you know to all the states that are cheesemaking I really liked the way I'm going to I'm going to cheat again and talk about what we talked about before the show, <laughs> the pre-show show. the pre-show show. But, um, you know, different than our American Cheese Society, which is largely an organization of enthusiasts and retailers and cheesemakers. Um, but there's not so much. Um, the educational part is definitely building, um, but it's it got a long way to go. And so I like that you were talking about how you wanted to start with this institute that was kind of four prongs. And tell me if I miss anything, because I'm sure I will. But um, education is, is definitely part. Um, policy development, uh, a laboratory where you'll actually have some scholarship behind what you're talking about. And then also developing a kind of consortio 
um, operation or group that would um, sort of certify and promote Mexican cheeses that meet these denomination of origin yeah, uh, qualifications. Yeah, you got it right. That, that's exactly <laughs> what we want. <laughs> that's so great. I mean, it's just like, it's so far-reaching and... and, and um, Comprehensive. Yeah. Yeah. You're awesome. Thank you. Well, and, and this obviously is not a one-man project. Uh, there's a lot of people behind me thinking of this and, and really doing the, the legwork in Mexico. Uh, so I, I'm the one that is going to this meeting uh, but it's definitely a, a, a project that includes a, a group number of people in in the states of Chiapas and Tabasco and Querétaro, um, uh, cheesemakers, but also marketers and stores and chefs in Mexico and a good group of people that are really committed to, to ha- having Mexican cheese sort of take its rightful place. <laughs> yeah. That is so great. And so um, I-, I was just thinking, so you have this this meeting, you know, is like the top, top, like the icing on the cake, you know, can't get any more excited mm, yeah. than that. And then, you know, you've met with the farmers, which is like the legwork, you know, in the past. And then you're also doing an event sort of in the middle, which is this tapas event that you're talking about where you're actually going to be eating, promoting, working with chefs, work, talking to consumers. Can yeah. you tell us a little bit about that, too? Yeah, so next week in Mexico City, if you happen to be around, um, at <laughs> the 8, 9, and 10, we are going to have the second pop-up restaurant ever in Mexico. Uh, apparently, it's a big thing, and so it's, I'm, I'm excited, <laughs> but I still don't quite understand. But anyway, so the idea is that we'll have a... 10 tapas all based around Mexican cheese uh, to show people that you can have Mexican cheese in so many different ways and to really bring the product to the consumer and so that is not something that is completely out of their reach and to Mm -hmm. try them uh, have uh, understand how to cook how to eat how to appreciate is going to have a pairing with uh, with artisanal beers uh is gonna is gonna be you know we're gonna have some chefs doing some of the tapas i'm gonna be designing a lot of the other ones uh you know it's gonna be a good event that that we hope that in coordination with the meeting at the ministry of agriculture will really catapult this idea of an institute and really sort of move us farther into you know, having a having a vibrant movement in Mexico uh, around artisanal cheese. That is cool. all so inspiring. So I want to make sure people know how to find out about this. So you said they can follow you on Twitter at Carlos Yescas, which we'll definitely link to on our page here. Yeah. Um, lactography.com is your blog. And then is there any kind of a website uh, where this event will be showcased or is this also um, the tapas event will be on lactography? Is that the best way? It'll be, it'll be on lactography, but also is, uh, I'm, I'm doing this in conjunction with a very cool project in, in Mexico called uh, Donde Comere uh, that is also on Twitter, but they also have a, a site and definitely that will be linked in, in lactography and I'm sure on, on, we can put it on your site as well. And the idea with them is uh, to have a, they're advocating for a policy, for a national policy for uh, culinary culture, for Mexican culinary culture. Uh, Also, now that the UNESCO has recognized 
Mexican uh, food as uh, as a universal heritage that then we can actually support it and protect it. So I'm doing this event uh, as part of this larger thing that is looking at coffee and bananas and uh, avocados and all sorts of things going on in Mexico around food, uh, trying to change the way that we think about food in Mexico. Cool. Very inspiring work. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on the show with us. And I hope we can follow this up with another show when you get back from your travels and, and hear what's next, because it's really, really exciting. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's great to talk about it and be excited in a very different medium and um, which is a radio and thank you yeah oh, thank you and so stay with us next week for another episode of cutting the curd on the heritage radio network hosted by ann saxelby you're listening to cutting the curd hosted by ann saxelby you're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Every spring at the end of kidding season, goat dairies across the country are faced with the question of what to do with their male bucklings. Because on a dairy farm, there's no role for a male. Often the most economical thing for these farmers to do is to call the animals at birth or ship them off to the commodity market. Heritage Foods USA is embarking on a new project, No Goat Left Behind, looking to step in and fill this niche by creating a marketplace for these male bucklings. Visit us at www.heritagefoodsusa.com to learn more and to reserve your goat this coming October.